This episode of Rural Gray is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And also by TrekFan. TrekFan isn't just a Star Trek fan club, it's a challenge. You will explore new places, learn new things, and collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles, complete real-life mission objectives, and win great prizes. And in the spirit of an enlightened future, TrekFan is absolutely free. Not just free to play, but completely free. Find out more by visiting fm.trekfan.org. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Darren Moser, sitting in the center chair this week, which is a little higher up than I remember. Uh, to, to my right is my co-host, Commander Daniel Prue. Daniel, d- does something look a little different about the bridge today? You know, it's funny you mention that because I walked into the bridge and I didn't immediately notice anything. But as I was getting settled, it doesn't have the same oaky smell. It just, it seems, no. you know what I mean? Like, and, and as I was walking around, it was just... Uh, it seemed, things seem louder. I, I don't know what it is, but it just it doesn't have that same kind of homey feel. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the bridge always had that kind of pine saw fresh smell yeah, exactly. from the ensign who would like polish the 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 horseshoe. I just, I just I can't place it. Well, okay, I'm also joined by my co-host Lieutenant Philip the Hawk Gilfus, who seems to have his con cultal wrapped around him like a belt. Uh, do you have enough buttons there, Philip? Oh, I'm oh, sorry. I couldn't hear you. You're like, you're like almost like a mile away from me. Um, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, it's good. I'm, I'm getting uh, situated here. Um, you know, this is actually a keyboard on the left side. I'm trying to work on my, uh, on my, uh, on my Bach there. Um, but uh, everything else, everything looks good. Um, though, wait a minute. Where's the view screen? I'm just looking at a wall here. That, that, that is the view screen, Philip. That, that whole wall. We got but we that, got the that's... it's 1080p. It's the it's the value. <laughs> well, Wait, that wall wall doesn't look very that wall doesn't look it's very. A thousand and eighty pick card. Someone could just fall right through that thing. Well, okay, you know we 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 sprung for the giant thin display wall instead of the super thick reinforced don't shoot us in the bridge wall. I'm sorry, I had to check a box when I you know accepted. Uh, ownership. So, okay. As we spiral away in our in, into our introduction, we are talking about the Enterprise E this week, as we were describing the Enterprise what? E bridge. So, uh, yeah, it get, uh, definitely originated from TNG and the TNG character. So let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about it. First off, let's talk about the design. Uh, we can dedicate a good ten minute chunk, I think, to the nacelles, Daniel. We could we could talk about that, but but no, I. You know, upon researching this and looking at it again, I'll hold off my overall rating till the very end. But I don't know. I, I, the scales are tipping for me to start loving this a little more than I love the one seven zero one D. It's uh, it's getting there. It, it's a beautiful ship. Uh, what are your thoughts on this design? Uh, nacelles, shape, bridge, all of that, Daniel. That, that's I'm going to narrow that down because that's too much for me to talk about. But I will say, it's interesting that you say that. To me, 
I love the D. I do. We all love the D. We had an entire episode here on Earl Grey about the Enterprise D. And, and all of our listeners should go back and listen to that if they haven't yet, which is a good episode. And I love, I do, I love the Enterprise D, but I've always recognized its shortcomings. I've always felt that it's a little too awkward and a little too fat, kind of. Like, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's eating too many Cheetos. I don't know what it is, you know. And it was... Very bulky. It is. It's very... V- it, it likes chocolate. <laughs> And as, and I do I really do love that. I mean, besides the original Enterprise from the original series, there's no I can't even think except maybe the Millennium Falcon in all of science fiction mm. that there is as an iconic of a ship than the Enterprise D, the original Enterprise and the Millennium Falcon. Those are like the first three things that pop into my head. But I I, I will say I think the Enterprise E is much better designed. I think it's a, a Obviously, it's more streamlined. That's exactly what they were going for. They wanted to, they wanted to trim trim the fat, which is what they did in the in the ship design, and and they wanted to pull it back and streamline it and make it look uh, dangerous. And, and like, whereas the, I, I guess the design idea with the Enterprise D was make it look comfortable and make it look a place where people would live. It's like a city. It's a floating city. That's kind of the idea, I think. Whereas the Enterprise E is more like you better watch out. Because you know we're coming for you, and uh, I don't. There's I, I cannot think of a negative thing to say about the but about the Enterprise E, uh, especially the nacelles. But but maybe we'll get into that a little bit a little bit later. When the Enterprise D eats chocolate, does it go straight to the uh, straight to the saucer? <laughs> clearly, to the... clearly it does. Yeah, it just keeps getting wider and wider. Well, look at look at the deflect. We'll compare the deflectors. So, I mean, I think the Enterprise D does have a beer gut. <laughs> so, what you're saying is like halfway it up. It was a round deflector <laughs> initially, and it's just di- distended and disformed after. Those are, those are stretch marks oh, on that second Halfway up the inside. deflector dish, um, there's a, some sort of a belt, which is why it just kind of spreads <laughs> out, you know, evenly. <laughs> it does look like a belt buckle. Okay, so, Philip, Enterprise E, as we keep talking about the, the Enterprise D, but. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well, I mean, you know, it's it's when you're talking next generation. I mean, you do have to compare the two because um, those are two enterprises, right? Everyone gets two enterprises, right? The original series gets two enterprises. We get two enterprises, but not enterprise. It's just the way things. Work. Wah, wah, well, wah. they had they had a <laughs> you know the the beat up. They have an alleged refit the design, so they could they could be two. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have to agree that I like the Enterprise E better. Um, I. Um, now, I'll, I'll just talk exterior, because I think interiors, uh, there's a wide range of difference. I mean, I'll, exterior too, but exterior, I think, is the, what really gets me. And, I mean, obviously, it's a longer ship, blah, blah, blah. We've talked about this in the past. But it, it, it just definitely does look, I mean, it's flatter, um, you know, more stretched out, and it, it just looks cooler. Um, and, and I'm so sad we didn't get to see more of it, because we, we only see it in three movies. And even then, not that much during the three movies, as, as opposed to seeing the D seven years plus a movie seven seasons in a movie um and so but for the enterprise e you know you know it's almost like they say in first contact even though we did get to see her two more times we barely knew her Mm. um and so uh, you know it is much more you know my first instinct to say it's more militaristic looking but i don't want to say that because i think that would be a reaction for me because I don't want this to be a military vessel. Even though, like Daniel said, it, it does look you know a little bit more 
um, you know, threatening than the Enterprise D, more which seems more sciency and explorationy. But it just looks, you know, it's more detailed, and then all the gorgeous shots. I mean, I think my favorite shot from the Enterprise E, and it's a lot to do with the music and the appearance, and it actually does come from that last film. Um, uh, you know, whatever it's called, and it's it's when Data has finished singing Blue Skies, and all you hear is those last few notes, and then you suddenly hear doon 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 do 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 and you just see that enterprise e coming up and it's like oh my gosh it's that enterprise well i mean looking at it you know in the profile view and the and the side view okay like looking down the bow it's just it's much more boat like like the secondary hole it's much more the the walls are much more up and down whereas in the in the d they kind of taper to a point so you lose a lot of space to like the slope of it but with this i mean they say that it has like 1300 people in it and i was like how do you fit that many people but i guess the the secondary hole is just massive it's just it's full of space Uh, but i also really like how the nacelles are above the saucer like when you're looking down, it's very much more like the original Enterprise. Uh, yeah, and it's weird because sometimes when you see the um, the the after you, or you know when you're looking at the Enterprise E from behind, that when it has that certain angle, it almost reminds me of the shot of the Enterprise A during Star Trek V when it's against the moon, right, you know, right in the beginning of the movie, and it's almost. And I know this is going to sound silly, maybe it's just me. It, you can almost mistake the E for the constitution class and maybe the refit constitution class but still it does it does have that heavy look and maybe it's just the uh arch nacelles or whatever you call it it feels like a nice progression from the original series and the a it's almost like they went back to that and said well let's evolve this instead of necessarily stepping stone through history well there is a lot of similarity between the differences between the original enterprise and the a enterprise that we get with the d and the e and, um, I mean, I think they perfected it with the E because I, I've stated on the network many times, I'm not a big fan of the A. Um, I'm much, whatever, that's unimportant. But, no, of course, you know, we get the, we get the, the, the pylons that go to the nacelles uh, much higher, much more angular. You know, of course, on TNG, we had, we had these swooping pylons that kind of started horizontal and went straight to vertical. But on, on, the, on the Enterprise E, it's, it's straight up. It's at an angle, and it and it just it, it's and the pilot and the nacelles themselves are much more f- vertically designed than horizontally designed, like we got on the D, and and like you mentioned, Darren, they're above the saucer section, which gives it that iconic profile view, not just profile, but even like the frontward view. Like if the if the ship is coming at you, and you can see the 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 nacelles above the saucer, and it's I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's what really makes the ship special. And and I also want to say too that I actually think and I I could be this could be something I'm making up off the top of my head but I actually think that it's also inspired by the Voyager design, um, in the fact that it's also elongated just kind of like the, the Voyager is as well and right. um, the, you know they looked at like the they took the saucer and kind of rotated it 90 degrees along its long axis yeah. so they you know of course it makes sense like so you know if you have the D and then the Voyager technically and then the E. Like they they extrapolated on what could they do to to make it look continuous, even though there's obviously separate classes. But it's, uh, and I think they, I really do. I think they 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 hit it out of the park with with the sovereign class ships. 
what and, and I think it, the more we talk about it, it really do see a lot of um, original series connotations because the round deflector dish, like we already talked about, which the B has the same thing and, and the C to a certain extent, but at least they brought it back with the E and even the um, uh, like shuttle bay two, I guess, because the main shuttle bay is on top, but the, the, the one on the very very back, is like yeah, the enterprise. Is the like the classic? It's like they took it off of the B and put it on the back of the E. It's like literally the same one. Because it's right, yeah, and it and and that's just another way I think that they just kind of. I think they was very conscious of them. I think they were like, you know what, we need to make maybe bring things a little bit back to you know because you know even today in technology a lot of things kind of go. You know, in cycles, in cycles, right? The ebb and flow, mm-hmm. and like this is right, exactly. So maybe, like, maybe the the you know people at Utopia Planitia were like, oh, okay, let's make a you know let's make a, a Constitution class esque. So are you saying that there was a hipster designer at Utopia Planitia <laughs> who was like, <laughs> I liked these ships before they were cool. <laughs> well, and and last thing on the comparison between the the D and the E is when you look at the side of the... I mean, I love the profile of the the D. It's just... Because it's... Not that it's the best profile, but it's... It's it's just... you. It's so memorable. Because, again, that's our favorite show. But you look at it next to the E, and it looks like they just took the saucer and pushed it down and took the, you know, engineering section and pushed it up and just made it way more streamlined. It almost makes the D look unbalanced in proportion of like this giant kind of top heavy saucer, you know, just by it, which was just scaling up, you know, the a, but it, so I, I definitely, I, I would almost say it would be great if this had been like the next gen movie or not, you know, that had been the, the ship for Picard for seven se- seasons. You know, well, I you think know, it would have still paid a good, you know, progression. Cause the last ship they would have seen would have been the Excelsior and the enterprise a in the movies. I think one thing about the E, and I think this is on purpose. I think with the D, and and you can tell from the you know the, all the CV, uh, seven seasons is that there's only, there's usually so many ways that you can do the D. You know, it's coming at you, it's going to war. Right. That's about. There's it. only like five with, angles. Yeah. With E, I don't think there's any angle I would not love to see the E, and that would totally be a different look. It would be cool. You can take that, you know, look at it from any angle, which obviously I think is was hopefully purposeful when you're doing a movie. Um, but it's just a cool looking ship, no matter which angle you do. And I, I think also we're colored by the fact that a lot of the shots we see of the E are C- the CGI model instead of the, you know, uh, the, you know, the physical model. And so they're able to do, they make, they're able to make it move in ways that you couldn't do with a model. So it plays really well to the camera. Yeah. And I also imagine too, that when they were, you know, when, when they were designing the D they did it, like they did with a lot of things in early TNG where like they were doing it as a response to everything that we had seen before. So up to then, I think we had seen four, uh, you know, Star Trek four, maybe Star Trek five, but basically up to the Excelsior class and that's it. And they were like, we need to differentiate this new enterprise in a big way. We need to make it different in a big way because, you know, if this is going to fail or work, it's going to do it on its own merits. And that's what we want to do. So we need to we make would... it too big to fail. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so I think that's why we get such because really, I mean, and of course they retconned the C into that into that design scale right. later on and they did that beautifully, I think. 
Um, but I, I, and I think the E is a, a conscious decision as well to go back and be like, okay, we did that because we didn't know it was going to happen. But now we can go back and be like, what would a modern day enterprise look like? What would, what would that be like with a few tweaks or a few design changes? And, and I, think it, I think it works fantastic. I think part of it is also, if you think about it, the Enterprise D was always meant to be seen in a square screen. And it fills that in a very square way, especially when you're looking on it straight on. You know, And I think that helps. And like we were talking about the five angles, but the Enterprise E is always in a cinematic widescreen and it and it works very well in that presence it, it like philip says you you almost can't get a bad angle on it so are you saying the enterprise is that she's all that like the d is when it was nerdy and wearing glasses and had its hair up but after we she's all that at it the enterprise e is like the one you want to take to the prom commander Riker, i dare you to take command of this shit <laughs> No, I can't. I can't sit down. No, watch this. Here's a joystick. And, oh my gosh, it's cool again. Anyway, I, I push the metaphor. As far. <laughs> I'm starting to hear triples. So I'm pushing the metaphor as uh, far as I can get. Okay, so uh, Enterprise-E, beautiful ship. Let's talk about the launch. Now, before a book that we will talk about in a oh, Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. God. Can I guess the book? Do I get a dollar if I guess the book right? Come on. <laughs> uh, I believe it was stated that the ship was built at Earth Station McKinley um, or Utopia Planitia, one of those. I'm pretty sure it was McKinley, though. Uh, but the creation of the Enterprise E was extensively written in Darren's favorite book, Ship of the Line. I don't know why we just don't do an episode on this book because it's, you know, I talk about it so much, but I love this book. I love how it talks about, I mean, obviously the enterprise E wasn't, uh, which I agree is this is part of the canon. It wasn't originally built to be the enterprise. It was going to be another ship. It was a sovereign class. And then the, with the enterprise D destruction, it was renamed, which is often done because you can't build the ships quite that fast, but it's a great story with, you know, Morgan Bateson and the Bozeman and and so it has it built or at least the the finishing parts of the Enterprise E being built out at Starbase 12 near the Klingon border but good. according to the point dedication plaque according to the dedication plaque it was built on <clears throat> in San Francisco yards so a sort of nod to the original Enterprise oh you mean the Abrams there we prize. go so are you saying Moody Picard that was built in Iowa I, oh that's true that's right oh you're right it was Iowa you're right yeah I forgot okay Right. So, I mean, I, again, I kind of feel that, yes, the books aren't as canon as anything that was in the films, but I still do enjoy the extra bit of story we get from uh, from that book. But, no, but, you know, but it's interesting, though, how, yes, even though the ship just came about, it does get pretty much the exact same crew <laughs> right off the bat. Okay. I mean, I, I want to, okay, I want to talk ahead. about this. I do. I really do. Yeah. I, one of the biggest <laughs> things that bothers me about star Trek <laughs> three, it is three. No, it's four. Four is when they get back. Right. Isn't it four? Okay. You guys, it's the voyage about, home. Are you talking about when they see the a, yes, it's, it's yes. the end of four. Yes. Like yeah. the last five. Okay. Minutes. So presumably two, three and four take place within a few months ish yeah, yeah it's other. almost like a little trilogy right so which i yeah. thought we were going to get a freighter but 
<laughs> so, which is fine, and that's great. And then, but what I hate so much about the inter- introduction of the Enterprise A is they just happen to have one sitting in space dock, and they're like, "Oh, by the way, here's your ship." This is also the same problem I have with um, at the end of Deep Space Nine when they destroy the Defiant, and the next week, like literally one episode later or two episodes later, they're like. Here's the Sao Paulo. You can just rename it what you want because why the heck not? But, uh, that's what I was just saying. <laughs> is is they're obviously building you know multiple sovereign class ships and it, especially well okay. I think we're colored though because the because it's the Enterprise and because in start in the Star Trek universe the name Enterprise is very special. They don't just churn out Enterprises. It's it's a lineage that there's always an Enterprise, and so. It's not like they are laying the keel for the Enterprise F right now and keeping it in like a giant secret space facility near Jupiter just in case the <laughs> Enterprise E gets destroyed. It's no, it's whatever next ship is kind of ready to roll off the line and then they change the name. You know, that, and they that kick makes off sense the crew that no, was in that no, ship. No, no, Erase no. any memory of no, the old ship's name. No, you can't talk exactly. about it. No, no, no. Uh, Darren, I don't even disagree with your your what you're saying My premise. your premise your premise is totally reasonable to me the point is the turnaround of which that would have had to take place in that movie is absurd okay i do agree in the in star trek 4 it's ridiculous because okay they they're they're banished they're coming back in banishment so why would i mean okay maybe maybe they were going to make an Enterprise A and give it to a new crew, but there's no way they were going to give it to the original. <laughs> no, but crew. okay, so okay, let, in Star Trek yeah, Three, Kirk self-destructs much? the Enterprise. He blows it up. Okay, between Star Trek Three and then Star Trek Four, Spoilers. which is which takes I know right, and literally Star- wait, what? all of Star Trek Four takes place back in time, and then they show back up at the time that they started at. So like right. we're talking like two or three weeks. I'm assuming max. I don't know. Maybe I'm way wrong, but I'm assuming it's not long. Is my point. And okay, they can they can rapid prototype print a giant A really fast <laughs> and just stem bolt it onto the <gasps> no. I just I hate it so much. I hate it. I hate it. Uh. I, there's nothing that's going to justify it for me. Which is what I loved. The one thing, one of the really best moments for me in Generations is when at the end when Picard and Riker are talking on the the hulk of the bridge, the shell of what was once oh, a majestic gosh. and wonderful place, and he says. Oh. I doubt this is fanboys a- cringe <laughs> worldwide. It's not like they, sh- you know, it's not like they all got beamed up, went to a starbase, and they were like, "Here's the Enterprise E, e guys." It was like they were like, "No, there's going to be another ship. It's going to happen, but it's not going to happen right this second. And that's what I really which appreciated it, about, which it. is way more realistic. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Except I think the one thing about the Enterprise E that is this weird feature that that no other starship has in, in the rest of Star Trek is it has this ability. I don't know if it's in the main deflector. To attract Worf on every important mission. <laughs> so I don't know how that works. So maybe part of the EMH for They have a, sure. a tiny piece of his boyhood Batleth infused into the hole and it calls to him. It's like a drum. What, only is this hear. like Thundercats? Does, do they like <laughs> Worf ho? And he looks up from Deep Space Nine. His oh, eyes God. go red. I must and, go. <laughs> <laughs> So we talked about, you know, that security offers loose. Do, do, do. <laughs> so we talked about that, you know, this ship, we only get to see it in three films, First Contact, Insurrection, and Nemesis. Now, but it really gets put through its pace 
I mean, okay, so you have this year-long let's chart gaseous anomalies, you know, BS, which I'm <laughs> you sure have, like Picard's the longest super... uh, maiden cruise ever. I like that in first kind of. Like, did like, it have to sir, be a year, sir? We've been at, at you know in space in a year. I'm like, really? That seems like a long time for a shakedown cruise. This must be a really experimental vessel. You guys are not it remembering does. Encounter at Farpoint very well because I think they were in shakedown for like a day or two. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, and then it all came back to bite them when, uh, what was that episode, Contagion? They're like, there's no way we should have run this galaxy glass across a few more drafting boards. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but First Contact, again, you know, brilliant badmirals were like, you know what? Let's not use the person with the most experience <laughs> with the Borg ever and the most advanced warship built to fight the Borg. Let's just uh, keep him over watching the Romulans. But once it gets to the party, the Enterprise E kicks major. I mean, it it, it basically it's like it, it's like Leroy Jenkins. You know, he comes running in and is just like <laughs> target this portion. And Sir, like, there's Boom. another starship entering the zone. It's the Enterprise. <laughs> Wait, Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh you God. idiot. Wait a minute. Who who in this scenario is Leroy Jenkins? I'm wondering. Like, it's is, the Enterprise E. It's the Enterprise. It's, it's the cards. Like, we're gonna break the order. Like everyone, sir. Shouldn't we do a tactical plan of how to approach the boat? Go in Enterprise. <laughs> I feel like Worf would be the most Leroy Jenkins like type character, but he's not on the ship at this point. I, I'm wondering who's going. It'd be on. Data. Because he'd be like the human thing to say would be, and then he like accesses. <laughs> no, no, his data is like the other people where it's like, okay, let's do a tactical plan. And like, Picard's like, fire here, but sir, that doesn't have fire here. Oh, okay, <laughs> I don't know why you're making me fire here. It doesn't make any sense why we're now. Doing it that. is it is official in my head canon now that the line is spoken. Uh, Picard, I believe if I were or Captain, I believe if I were human, my my response would be. Leroy Jenkins! <laughs> but the rest of that scene totally reminds me of. It's like when they run in, you know, in Leroy Jenkins, where they run in and they all of a sudden get swamped. It's like all the ships go to attack the Borg and they just get owned because they have no strategy. Everybody. And they're like, oh, crap, oh, crap. Okay, uh, uh, it, it, okay, ro- roll your <laughs> enhanced shield. Oh, uh, there's fire phasers. Oh, okay. Oh, man, we're getting slaughtered. It's the ship's exactly exploded and just exploded half the fleet as a result. Everybody else oh, on the bridge just freezes. Away. Everybody else just freezes, and they're like, they look at each other, and they're like, did he just run in there? Oh my yeah, god! Yeah. Did the, Enter- <laughs> the Enterprise just show up? That's awesome. <laughs> Which, by the way, for, for some of our uh, listeners, go to YouTube. Leroy Jenkins, World of Warcraft. Right? Oh yeah, come on now, you got it. You got it. If, if you if you're listening to podcasts about Star Trek on the internet, there's no possible way you don't know what Leroy Jenkins is. I feel like. Uh, I think well, uh, like, and, Leroy and other... Starship is now a contender for the title. <laughs> oh, man. It, 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 yeah. Um, but I think that in First Contact, if we're going to do it movie by movie, I don't know if we are. Um, I think the yeah. best thing that we're, the first thing we see about the Enterprise E is, man, that Dolby stir- surround sound. I mean, <laughs> you know, you just crank it up to 24 and you're hearing, Oh, for some mills, I mean, all 80 of Picard's pads on his desk are just vibrating off the desk. I mean, and, uh, and even then, when yeah. like he's pressing like uh, to just to talk to another room, you, instead of hearing like you know uh, Picard de Bridge, you hear Picard de Bridge. I know that is surround. I can it's hear like that. There's everywhere. speakers behind every bulkhead. 
So they wanted it to feel it's surround sound calm. It's the newest thing in uh, 24th century oh, technology. I didn't Am I the Bose only one built the ship? <laughs> Am I the only one that feels I, I, like I watch the movies and I look and I'm like Picard? He looks so lonely. I feel so sad for him. I'm like he used to, he, usually he has a collection of friends. Yeah, <laughs> he, like he's just oh, I know. he's all by himself. You know, I just you know. Well, that's the new thing. He's in the like you said, Philip, in the beginning. He's in his command chair and he hits the button. and He's like Lieutenant Hawk, uh, and, and then a little like speaker next to Lieutenant Hawk turns on. It's like and he presses the button. And you're like Let, yes, Captain, because you know you're right. You can't hear anything in that bridge. It's Riker's like it's, Captain. So I think spread apart. Cap- Captain, I got to cut my hands together. Captain, I'm over here. And then, and then the people he, that are hiding well, behind or, the big Or what screen. if it was a diplomatic mission? Okay, well, it's a diplomatic yeah, mission now, and Picard chair? is like needing to ask something of of Troy, and he just leans. and he's like, and, and then so he's actually shifted out of his chair, but he's keeping one hand on the side, <laughs> like like yeah, I haven't actually left it, and he like, and he still is like four feet from her. What do you sense, uh, Counselor? Uh, <laughs> what do you sense? No, they actually like, don't show. I, There's I, actually I, two I, aluminum cans with a string in between the chairs, and you. It's a w- that, that way. No one can intercept the transmission. It's 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 a hard line. The the interior of the of the ship has a really strange, not strange, but I should say unique, like um, color design. Right, like we get a lot of very red. Brown. It's very blue. Red. Oh wow, blue we all red. just had a different color. Apparently, we <laughs> we all think different <laughs> things. No, uh, you know, I see like a lot, a lot of like reds, and it like it has the same kind of darker tone that Voyager has, I think, and even the Defiant, but it has like a deeper red, like a bunch of the of of the uh, um, doors and stuff are red, it's and mar- there's yeah, all the doors are like a dark, dark maroon. Yeah, and then there's like a brown, and like it's really interesting, uh, and of course, if you compare it to the D, it's like night, literally night and day, kind of, um, but. But yeah. even this is nighttime. Where's the carpet? Daytime. Nighttime. Where's the carpet? And then, you know, like later on, even in like later uh, Star Trek episodes, like or even in Enterprise or or anything, like we don't get anything quite like the Sovereign class ship. I feel like. No, no, we don't. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, okay, I mean so. the, uh, the the interior is just again, it's it's a little more. Well, it is. It's more militaristic than the D. But to me. Because to me, I don't want it to be a warship. And maybe I'm just in denial, and it is. But, like, it has sort of the harsher you edges. You are in like it's, it's not the rounder, you know, Enterprise D. It's it's sort of like you have these harsh angles, which, again, harkens back to, like, the A or the the refit constitution. Um, but it's not too harsh. I mean, I, the, the hard part is in most of the movies, they're at red alert and fighting. So you never really just see it well lit. You know, normal, you know, I know. alert, you know, green alert, you know. But, um, you know, it's... That's it, true. <laughs> It's red alert is much more like Voyager's alert where it gets pitch black and there's like four red lights in the center that turn on to light everything. I thought I saw five red lights. Were there four? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) But, okay. So, but yeah, in first contact, so that it, you know, kicks major butt, we see our beautiful brand new ship get assimilated like half. Uh, and we get the most unconventional main engineering setup I've ever seen. It's Which like, looks cool. Apparently, it's really not important to be right next to the like main reaction chamber because it's like you need a ladder to to get to that thing. Like a boom lift comes in. 
this is almost the first time we get. Well, maybe it's not the. First, I'm trying to remember what Voyagers look like, but it's kind of the first time you get the 360 engineer. You know, you can actually walk behind the core in the, right. the main engineering on the. Which maybe you could do that in Voyager. Well, the remember. the D had it like right there, and you could like you know fiddle with the the hatch if you needed to, and then Voyagers was like in the floor, like right below you, and then the E is like 40 feet up, so it's you know. Yeah, I I think it was escalation, right? Like it was the idea that these ships are becoming more and more powerful, which is why, you know, in TNG, we got lights that went up and down. In Voyager, they had a lava lamp. And then with the Enterprise E, we had like this giant thing that was like supposed to be super. Well, and I do feel. Big two tubes of poison for everyone to have and be able to break very easily and kill the entire department there. It it makes me think of a a mission of a a missile silo. If you think about Mm -hmm. like in the, in the Enterprise D, it's like the, it's like the missile, but with all of the kind of like access things closed that like go right up against it. So, you, you know, from deck to deck to deck, but in the enterprise E it's more like all those are open in this cavernous room and there's tons of space to, to walk around and set up your assimilation tables. And I think my favorite improvement in main engineering, they finally, finally out through like 200 years of Starfleet engineering. They finally got the core ejection to work because it's never worked. It's never, ever worked that you were able to eject the core, right? It's always like, we've got to eject the core, it's going to breach. Eject it. Ah, it's not working. Well, you know, finally, you can eject the core in the Enterprise-E. <laughs> okay, but, but, okay, but to that point, I'm assuming, is there some sort of, like, tubular force field that comes down or something? Because I, I, I can't imagine, if you have to eject that core at a moment's notice, I mean, there's no barrel door to roll underneath. You're going to have to evacuate a giant room, probably with, like, 40 people in it, isn't, isn't I, I'm there... sure some people were going, I'm just saying, there, so, uh, two or three crewmen were going right after that warp core down that hole. I'm just saying. Isn't, isn't there, like, very specifically, I believe, and I could be wrong, you guys will tell me if I'm wrong, but, the, like, on the underside of the D, there is a very small circular section where right. literally it's, the, the yeah, core is supposed to eject, like, and it's only small enough for the core. So presumably, all the way through all of those decks, there's some right. sort of of system that would prevent people from getting and even in in voyager we saw that happen in an episode like they they ejected their core and like it was out in space it was just out there and um so i mean listeners i'm glad you couldn't see daniel doing the hand motion (laughs) i'm gonna i just you know pixelated out that part of my screen but But yeah but it could it could eject the warp core you know it but yeah that engineering set was a beautiful set it was a great you know perk for uh for jordy i'm sure he had a lot of uh a lot of things to say about his design and and i have to do one last shout out about first contact again another great feature i mean i love these people at san francisco yards or whoever was doing the design privacy gate for the holodeck finally (laughs) <laughs> Finally, privacy gate, privacy lobby, whatever you oh, look, want to call it. Look, there's a little room, and then yes. and then we got to step into another room to step in. Oh, this is this is although, nice. This is nice. Although, Philip, be, let's be fair. Is it how much of a privacy gate is it? Like, it's it's stated very clearly in first contact when they walk into that gate. It shows the name of the program the person inside the holodeck is running. That could be equally it's just as called Gilfus Alpha. You don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. I know oh, it's it up to them to Picard's, make sure they, Picard's, they listen, generic Picard's names. was named the big goodbye. And let's be fair, if Riker was in there, it would be something much more inappropriate. So maybe it's not so, <laughs> you know, private. So moving on as our ship continues its epic 
adventure, we get to Insurrection, where we, otherwise known as the Planet episode, where we don't actually go on the ship very much. <laughs> and episode. it's true. It's true. I mean, it's, we're, we're, we spend most of the time in the freaking Briar Pratch. So it's like, let's go to the one part of space where we can't go to warp. We can't go to impulse. We can't really do much but the Riker maneuver. Yeah, those ram scoops, we got to see them finally work. Yeah. Well, we did see them used yeah, a did. little bit in in Next Gen, the but more like less sucking things up and more blowing things out. But uh, <laughs> Like Mega Man? We, we, we did get to see the new 10 forward. Right. That's right. No, I don't think... Dude, the Guinan list 10 forward. Was yeah. Yeah. Was it on deck 10, though? Because... Okay, this only has like 24 to 29 decks, so I don't think deck 10 is probably the front of the saucer. It's probably more like deck 6. Remember, it's a franchise. It's it's like um, Oh, that's right. It's that's called right. 10 Forward regardless. Hey, hey, Lieutenant, have you been to t- 10 Forward? But, but, sir, there is no 10 Forward. Uh, uh, you're a noob. Just, come on, <laughs> we'll show you. We'll show you. That's the hazing. They tell him to go to 10 Forward, and it's like sensor maintenance, you know, or waste extraction. You know, nobody really wants to go there. And nobody actually, I don't uh, think, it's uncredited. I looked this up. Ben is actually running 10 Forward now. <laughs> oh, so, uh, oh, Ben. Ben, I love Ben. And then, so, but yeah, we get, you know, the warp core ejection and insurrection. We get the ram scoops being used. We get the awesome, you know, manual steering column. You know, who <sighs> wouldn't want that? <sighs> okay. That doesn't make sense. That didn't make there sense. There was a triple face palm right there, guys. Yeah. You couldn't see it, but. Uh, Which I was watching that clip the other day. Um, not the movie, just the clip. Um, because it was, you know, it's cool. You get the Riker maneuver. It's cool, right? Da, 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 da. Um, you get the beardless Riker, right? You got everything, right? What would you want? And then, like, Riker uses the joystick, and that trill at Khan just gives him the I'm checking you out so hard look when he uses that joystick. <laughs> I just, I didn't know what to make of that. Riker's always getting checked out. I, it, what are you, you going to do? Well, my favorite is we want to see so many great shots of the Enterprise flying because we haven't seen it for most of the episode that, you know, w- Apparently it needs to be really close to transport Picard. Like, you know, it can't, it can't, it can't transport him when it's in like the system. No, it's got to fly along the exploding, you know, uh, diehard vehicle and uh, get to the area <laughs> where Picard. Vehicle. I don't. Yeah, no. That's exactly what it was. It was I'm a sorry, diehard no. vehicle. It, it was. It was the diehard was going power on inside. In space. Yeah. You know what? Uh, what pulled me out of it was. An insurrection came out. The opening title sequence. <laughs> insurrection no, came out in 1998, and in 1998, I literally had the same joystick when I was playing <laughs> Star when I was playing Star Wars X Wing versus baby. Tie Fighter. Like I had the same joystick on my computer desk, and I'm like, "Come on, guys! You didn't even try!" Like, not only is it absurd to think that you could steer a giant ship like this with a joystick, but the fact that it's like... I mean, at least the flight simulators have, like, pedals and, like, a <laughs> secondary joystick. I mean, it's like, come on. Uh, like, really, I think one was, joystick? It was just the barrel roll joystick. That's all it did. Um, but, you no. Barrel roll. Blah, 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 <laughs> We're not the ready room, folks. Sorry. Now, one thing is, we yeah. finally... Yeah, yeah. And, I, and I'm actually being serious this time. That we finally got to see on the Enterprise-E, never having seen in any other, in any other series, Captain Jot. Finally saw Captain Yacht. Bleeding Captain Yacht. 
And it was a pretty cool captain's yacht. I'm sorry. I've seen pictures and renderings of what the Enterprise D won, and it's sad in comparison. It's just an oval. <laughs> it's just an oval. It's really plain. This one, it's got, like, the little Voyager swoop nacelles. It's, you know, it, it's pretty awesome. And still named, you know, uh, the Cousteau, I think. Calypso. Calypso. That's right. Yeah. It's, was it, it's named after Picard's favorite dance. <laughs> was it? Uh, was I it? I don't know if you know this. He cut quite the rug in his time. Especially to what the marimba, something like that. Yes. Well, and then um, you know, okay. Then we move on to Nemesis, and we have uh, you know a pretty. I mean, okay, Picard's back's pretty much against the wall, and. Uh, granted, I I would probably do that if you know it, it. It comes down to what a man can do and a man can't do. And if a man can crash a starship into the enemy, that's he what wouldn't. he can do. And, yeah, <laughs> he would. It's interesting because it's this is like the only time, right? Like, I mean, we get it, of course, in famously in Star Trek 2009, which I actually think is an incredible scene. I think most people think that that's one of the best scenes scenes in all of Star Trek, but. Um, that's a very different scene, anyways. Crashing the ship into another ship, but uh, we never see. Yeah, that's like a suicide. Yeah, that's a run. suicide. That's crashing it into like a small moon, basically. <laughs> no, that's it's, no moon. That's no moon. That's a space station. That's the Narenda. <laughs> um, but but it, yeah, I just watched Nemesis just for fun the other day, and uh, for fun, Daniel. Look, I. I'm sorry. You know, I I'm, I'm not saying it's a perfect movie. Um, okay, it's it's true. better than Star Trek Five. Oh, everything's. Better it's better than Star Trek One. Okay, well, greedy disagree. It's okay. better <laughs> than in, it's better. <laughs> it's better than Insurrection. I will oh, definitely say see, that. Now he's, he's so you're gone. watching Nemesis. Anyways, I'm watching Nemesis. <laughs> yeah, I know. And. Uh, it's not like clockwork. That's orange, a cool right? scene. Like Come on, have guys. Things in your it doesn't eyes matter. To keep you, yeah. If if you like the Enterprise E, this is a cool scene. This is a great scene. This is very. Oh, it's a great scene. Yeah, and he's just like, just go for it, man. We're just gonna do it, and and they do. And then, you know, you see the ship crash uh, with the scimitar, and they just. Uh, what what's really effective about that scene is that they just stay there for a while, like they just kind of well hang stuck then together. Then they throw this thing called physics right out the window <laughs> and the scimitar does this thing called reverse and even though we're in space where there's no friction it pulls away. How? How? It would pull, it would go with the entire ship. Yeah, you're right. It I mean, yes. You know, there's nothing holding the granted, Enterprise E in place. You're right. It would just kind of I mean, it, it. Would, it would slowly come apart because your engines are hard mounted to your ship not the other ship but also i mean it, it would not pull apart just like that it's like it's it's like the enterprise e has the parking brake on in subspace and it's not going anywhere <laughs> well picard yeah, is getting a little covered. older so um <laughs> <laughs> the, the left nacelle is blinking <laughs> <laughs> but as everyone loves to point out though who is at the helm when the Enterprise crashes again, I mean, it's our favorite counselor, Indiana Troy. <laughs> but no, it's it's she was under orders. But uh, yeah, and, and you know, it, it, maybe that's their new thing in the movies. They have to show that they are willing to almost destroy their ship every time, or at least one person is, or someone is. Yeah. 
But okay, I think, so I think moving Picard, on from Picard was thinking, you know what? Third time's a charm. I've already lost two ships. What are they going to do at this point, right? Eh? Eh? Are they going to give me a ship with one nacelle at this point? <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> I could see uh, Ensign running into a Badmiral's chamber. Sir, sir, you. Uh, we, we got to dust off the F. <laughs> done it again. But call already. We already gave. Gosh, we already we gave, gave him the Stargazer a, a, but he didn't want it. So. Stargazer. We gave him a two, a one-year shakedown cruise. You thought he'd learned to not break his toys, but no. Okay, but I, so I think last it, Nemesis does. Sorry, Nemesis does give a lot of interior shots, though, of the E. I think that is probably it the does. most that you see inside, and a lot of awesome things of the Enterprise either. Oh yeah, and the part where like data jumps between ships, like I totally buy that. Like set up two sets of what? What? Set up two sets of force fields and you pressurize it and that would totally work. I mean, the odds of him actually hitting his target are not as good, but I mean if he had had like directions on a helmet in front of him telling where to go, I'd buy that. I'd be totally totally thinking that. Data doesn't need uh, directions on a helmet in front of him because he's he's he and I don't want to swear, but he, he did all the calculations. He is in his head. He's freaking data. Brain. He doesn't. He, yeah. he has that in his contact lenses. Philip, thank you very much. Um, uh, I do uh, want to say, and and a big part of, and I'm going to contradict myself here because I've said many times I think Star Trek should be more integrated, and more crossovery and more involved with itself, but. The Enterprise E is a perfect example of uh, of Star Trek being kind of too incestuous and too like I'm going to use. Of course, we have standing sets. We have standing sets for the Voyager. We already have standing sets for Deep Space Nine. We have standing sets that people. C- You're talking about money. Like yes, the fact yes, that, yes. You know, and it's we like, need to like, save money. Like first, that's we what had a movie. Right. We had a movie budget though. So. But that's my point. And and it's like imagine if they had enough of a movie budget to make their own movie, like where they could make their own sets. And I think the Enterprise E would look very different if it wasn't constrained to. Oh, you can use these sets and just have to redress what we've already have. Mm. And well, because Nemesis did do a lot of modifications, they changed the bridge up a bit. Yeah. They added a ton of more weaponry to the E. They, they, I think they added decks. <laughs> there's like 29 <laughs> yeah. decks in in Nemesis, and there's like 24 in in um, in First Contact. And we do, just, we do get to see the observation lounge, um, and, and we got to see that in First Contact. But observation lounge, the new one, got to see the new ships, right? the ones that got broken. Um, they put him behind, like, a force field so Picard can't smash him again. <laughs> right. And we, I don't, and I can't remember, where was Picard, I know we've gone through this again, where was that chair of Picard's? Is that his quarters or his ready room? I can't remember. I think it's his quarters. I don't I know. It was room. his quarters on the D, but it was in his ready room. Yeah, in do the we e. ever room. see his quarters on the AE? I don't think we you, ever, Well, you ever do, do in the deleted scene that it, I've shown you all from Nemesis. I thought he was in his quarters it, when the opera scene that you were just talking about. No, that was, I, think, I think that was the ready room. I'm going to say 80% it was the ready room. Yeah. Only there were door labels. Come on. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, like he has that little bunk. How are we supposed to make our fanfic walk around? In first contact, <laughs> he has that, that little bunk. And I guess that's his ready room? Or is that his quarters? I don't know. I don't know. When he's burning the midnight petroleum, he exactly. crawls into that bunk and <laughs> keeps, <laughs> keeps reading his status reports. All those pads are on his desk. Comet. In Nemesis, he has like 58 (laughs) pads on his desk. So the last thing I wanted to touch on in the Enterprise E is some of the perks. We already kind of mentioned the captain's yacht being awesome, manual steering column, but we also had, this is the first Enterprise to have the EMH, 
It was briefly used by uh, Doctor Crusher. Image Mark One. And, you know, yes, Mark One. He's a he's a doctor, not a doorstop. Don't <laughs> let him uh, don't let him fool you. But and uh, it would be. I swore I'd never use one of these things. If, <laughs> if uh, our beloved Voyager EMH had made his way onto the uh, onto the Enterprise, but it makes sense though to, to have it because you would have had you know the progression. And if Voyager has it, you can't say that the Enterprise E the f- flagship of Federation doesn't have it or have the hollow emitters. It's it is oh my goodness that scene in First Contact it is a perfect representation of what you would want in a shared universe. This is what oh yeah this is what Marvel does so fantastically and what I wish and I think frankly that the that the creators of Star Trek failed to do properly back in the 90s. I think that there is room for these things to happen to make sense, to be fun, and not to be... They don't have to change your story. They don't have to change what you want to do. But when it makes sense to put a character in a situation that they would naturally be in, then that makes sense. Of course, Beverly activates the EMH because we have this random fail-safe system. Why not use it to distract the bad guys? And it, and, it, and that's... The, that's great writing. It's great writing. And, of course, because Bob Picardo is... One of the best parts, in my opinion, of Star Trek Voyager, so it works perfectly, you know, on that level as well. But it's just like, of course, why would you not do this? This is a, and we even get Neelix in First Contact, kind of. I'm sorry, well, I mean, we have who, a very strict dress code here. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, I, I agree with you, though, Daniel. It's like, I mean, I know they didn't overlap a ton, but I would have liked to see the Enterprise D dock at Deep Space Nine like five times. Like, <laughs> like, why is it not docking here like every week? Like, come on, guys, you have two shows running. Like, I mean, I know Voyager was stupid yeah, and stuck him on the other side of the quadrant, but, you know, but at least, I don't Generally know. It does uh, show up eventually. She does. I know. I and know. and yeah, even that scene. Def- and, the Defiant? And it, I actually don't. It, you know, it's not the best. And the Defiant. It's not the best utilization of Janeway's character. Uh, I guess that would be the devil. But no, I mean, like, it, it's not the best. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not the best way you might use it. But it is still effective. And I think people really enjoyed the fact that she shows up as an admiral. I think that, like, to a lot of Voyager fans. That was important. Oh, yeah. It was important to She's them. in a movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it acknowledges the existence of their show. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, it's something I wish they did more, of course, and this is separate from the whole topic. Anyways, the EMH, of course, it would be on the on the Enterprise. Oh, yeah. Well, and then, of course, we have Picard's favorite edition, the Argo. Oh, God. Uh, dumbest <laughs> <laughs> four-wheeled vehicle <laughs> ever. Why? Why? I don't even know, but you know, I have never seen a wheel. I mean, I'm serious. I've never seen a wheel anywhere in Star Trek. I haven't seen it on Earth. Not in you know when they go. I mean, family even in Star or Trek, all good uh, things. It is shuttles. A hundred. Even in Star of Trek 2009, they had those awesome like go sideways wheels on the forklifts. There, those were cool because those are pretty awesome. But I mean, they did have a motorcycle. Yeah. There. No, you're right. Well, that's true, and the, with this the spokeless wheel. But yeah, no, you're right. I can't think of a wheel, uh, you know, that uh, I'm trying to think now. Yeah. I can't think anything. Uh, <laughs> the been outdated technology, but yeah, but exactly. It's like, why? I don't know. So yeah, who knows? It's, I mean like, okay, here's the thing. The whole thing could have like... happened without the wheel. Just keep the Argo shuttle that it was in. Just use that. Why did you have to get out in the vehicle part? 
And maybe we, we can, when someday we'll find someone who can explain why that scene was in there. Like, it's not like there was an Argo toy for sale, you know? It's not like that would happened. At least I can understand <laughs> that, right? I, just, I don't, don't know why that's there. Uh, I don't know. I mean, just do a low pass in the vehicle, in the, in the ship part, and then beam up all the parts right into the cargo bay. I mean, come on. It's like almost, is it the 25th century yet? Come on. I just want it to be the 25th century, <laughs> and so we can get rid of this stupid stuff. But No, but lots of perks in the Enterprise-E, beautiful ship. Uh, let's just go to final thoughts. So, okay, so my final thoughts on the E, beautiful ship. You know, I really think visually it looks great. And like I said, I, I wouldn't have minded if it had been the ship that our intrepid crew flew around in for seven years. I think that would have been pretty cool. But, uh, you know, it didn't go down that way. And obviously it was something designed 20 years late, you know, or not 20, but like, you know, 10 years later than the Enterprise D. So looks wise, though, I, I really, really enjoyed this ship and it's it's a great ship i i'm getting a newfound appreciation for it yeah i mean um apparently i I won't tease you with with what i with (laughs) what i will tie with the enterprise e but it is my favorite design it's the of of all star trek ships it's to me when i look at it like i can't find anything wrong with it i think it's beautiful i think it's elegant i think it's Everything Star Trek should be. I think it's it's thoughtful and interesting, and and you can look at it and you can be like, this is a ship that is meant to do important things, and it's very, it's it's wonderful. And of course, your instant reaction is to compare it to the Enterprise D, which we all do. We do love the three of us. I know we all love the Enterprise D, but to me, like they took the best parts of the Enterprise D and all of the the Enterprises that had come before, and they just mashed it together, and they made a really interesting looking design. And like like you, Darren, I I kind of wish they started with the Enterprise E because who knows, who knows what would have come afterwards. Yeah, I think the saucer would have survived. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean we get the the details. I mean we get escape pods, right? We get deflector dishes up close and personal and color coded. Um, I mean there's just so much great things <laughs> about the the E, and I, I mean I just love it and wish I could have seen more of it because unfortunately there's some movies you have to close my eyes when it's in there. But um you know overall though I it's it's a great wonderful ship and and you know sadly I suppose you know we won't ever see it again only in our imagination. Um but I, I think there the also is, is a certain a certain philosophy because one thing about the Enterprise E look and I don't know if this is true or not but one can imagine it like everyone not that they weren't before but everyone's in that same uniform, which I know this is the, the ship, not the uniform show. But anyway, but it's kind of a much more militaristic, as I've said a million times here. Um, everyone has a station, right? Everyone has a chair. Nobody's standing up. Well, I guess some people are. But they, they have at least something to lean on pretty good. Um, you know, um, and so, like, everyone has a station. Like, Riker has his whole look station. Troy has her whole big station, which goodness knows what she's looking at on that station. Um, you know, everything is everywhere. It's playing it's like angry, a- angry tribbles. There's like 58 people on that bridge. I don't know what 50 of them are doing, um, but they're there. Um, and and it does. But also one thing is families, right? That's the one thing we didn't talk about. Enterprise D, right? Family ship. Enterprise E, are there families on board? 
I guess we I would think not because we never saw any kids. But, like, why? I mean, they didn't stop having families. I mean, they didn't just be like, oh, you know, failed experiment. We're just leaving our kids and spouses and civilians at home, and we'll just rough it for 20 years, and hopefully we'll get a picture of when they graduate college. You know, I mean, that's that you got to explain that one. But anyway, so so I think that was, that was the only kind of ambivalency about, like, what have we, you know, it's like that great line from Insurrection. Does anyone remember when we used to be explorers? So, but anyway. Kind of, but there also is, I think, a philosophy <laughs> about the change of the ship. But other than that, I, I love it inside, outside, and goodness knows what that bottomless pit was in the bottom for Nemesis. But it was there, the end. Yeah, the pit, uh, just gravity. And I'm pretty sure they were already on the bottom deck, so I don't even know. It's like a mirror. It's a vortex of something. Who knows? Well... It's been fun talking about the Enterprise E today, but it's just one of the Trek topics we've been talking about here on Trek FM this week. Here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. I mean, like, like it's, it's been talked about, you know, by Shatner that he's like, oh, I wanted to have the Enterprise find God or something like that. Well, how does that work? Yeah, well, right. You know, and it's like, well, it doesn't work the way you're doing it in this movie. Earl Grey. What if it was like a geeky tween boy? Data, Data, where are you? They're just like, shut that off. <laughs> Mr. Data, I've got a problem. The Ready Room. When they finally do get rid of Decker, it's on Kirk's personal authority as captain of the Enterprise. And like, it seems to me if you're, say, a captain in the U.S. Navy and an admiral takes command of your ship, you can't just like get rid of him because of your personal authority as captain of the ship. The Orb. And again, it's, it's something as you know, as we said before, the system is not set up to allow him to express that idea in any other way, but by the spectacle of this trial, which would presumably be impossible to hide, it is a way for him to express this alternate viewpoint that maybe the, the morality of his society is, uh, is under threat. To the journey! We are here to talk to you about a very heavy-handed topic. This is kind of a dark area for us. No, I'm just kidding. We're talking about death and Voyager. Commentary, Trek stars. When they fall out the pod people, and they say, why, what year is it? And Data says, why, it's the Earth year 2364. I fell off my chair 47 <laughs> times. It's like, they just put the, oh, my, okay, okay. Warp 5. Archer doesn't close himself off to any possibility. He takes the evidence and comes to the best choice that he can. And that's not always easy for anyone but that's the kind of person that Degra is, too. Melodic Treks. In fact, it had two versions of the theme, one which ran from seasons one to three, and one which ran from season four onwards. Now, some people prefer the first music with the poignancy of the lone trumpet, others prefer the second incarnation. Continuing Mission. If we were to sort of able to rewrite the canon, the uniforms we've got, they were the uniforms in the middle of... Enterprise and TOS but because they were designed during a time when peace wasn't as prosperous as it is in the original series the uniforms did have a bit more of a militaristic look to them literary treks you know what I love about comics though sometimes is what happened here in this panel with Beverly and Troy clearly Troy's stunt double wandered into the scene I was going to say is that Troy <laughs> And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek Talk. You'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, 
the Windows podcast directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream them from the website. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for the podcast directory to get all the links. If you'd like to share your thoughts on today's Earl Grey, just go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose to send a show. That option on the side, choose Earl Grey, and that'll come to all three of us by email. You can also use the tab on the right-hand side of any page to send us a voicemail using your webcam's microphone. And you can talk to us and other listeners on our forums at trek.fm slash forums. In social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Also, please let us know how we're doing by leaving an iTunes review. That will help other listeners find our show here in 2014. Before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, who helped us bring Earl Grey to you each week. Our sponsor for this show is audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles are coming out every week, from classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World. Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. We thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. And also, TrekFan, a great way for you to take your love of Star Trek and put it into action. At TrekFan, you will explore new places, learn new things, and collaborate with other fans to solve puzzles, complete real-life mission objectives, and win great prizes. Challenges include communications, engineering, and flight operations. There's internet relay chat, free books through Starfleet Academy, and much more. Best of all, it's absolutely free. Not just free to play, but completely free. Find out more by visiting fm.trekfan.org. Again, that's fm.trekfan.org. And remember to use this special URL so they know you heard about it here on Earl Grey and Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way that you can directly help us keeping Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that's by adopting some aliens. Well, illustrations of aliens, anyway. If you can go to trek.fm slash donate, you'll find eight original alien illustrations by Toba Ushi who does most of the artwork you see on our website. They're available in both badges and art prints, and there are different contribution levels that you can choose from. Just let us know what you would like and in what format. Again, you'll find them at trek.fm slash donate. And your support helps us to pay for the costs of production, hosting, and bandwidth that's needed to bring the show to you each week. So, Daniel, if people are interested in talking with you about let's say, I don't know, nacelles or maybe some of the other parts of the Enterprise E, where would they find you? I would love to talk to people about nacelles or even comparisons from the Enterprise E to the Voyager. Any to the journey fans out there. To the journey! To the journey! And find me at 1updan, and that is the number one, not the word. And Philip, if people wanted to discuss that new engine room and that, what is that? Is that a hybrid engine? You know, where where would they find you? That's right. The Enterprise E. Also, not only does it not pollute anymore like the Enterprise D did, it's also incredibly silent. Like if you're in space, you cannot hear that ship at all. Um, but they can you find can't me. Hear it scream. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at NC Public Servant. That's NC like North Carolina, not NCC seventeen oh one E.
And if people want to discuss the Enterprise E, F, G, H, I, well, actually, no, let's just talk about the E because really that's that's where we stop. But you can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi. That's D-R-S-C-I-F-I. And if you want to talk about other science fiction or B-movies or things like that, you can listen to my other podcast, which is called The Dr. Sci-Fi Show with a new topic each month. Well, I think I'm going to go get into the captain's yacht because, hey, warp engines and just basically take an impromptu vacation. Uh, number one, you have the bridge. And by the way, I locked out all the other controls. Uh, you only have the manual steering column. Live long and prosper. Make it so. Engage. Fire. Fire.